Assalamu alaikum guys and welcome back to The Word Affairs. I hope you all had an absolutely amazing week. I would like to take this opportunity to apologise for not uploading last week. I missed Friday, of course. For those of you who follow me on Instagram, you would have known that I basically could not upload because I was so ill. Literally, I had a fever, I had a sore throat, runny nose, congestion, lightheadedness, you know, achy stuff, what have you. Um, and I literally just at one point could not get out of bed. Um, Alhamdulillah now I feel a lot better. I am still kind of here and there feeling a bit ill. Um, but the worst thing was my throat. I had the worst cough ever. Literally, like I could not even like just say one whole sentence without coughing. That's how bad it was. Um, and I just realized, you know what guys, there's not going to be an episode this week. And I was so sad because I was looking so forward to uploading. I had such a good episode plan, which is obviously what I'm going to be doing today instead, inshallah. Um, but yeah, I apologize guys. I'm very sorry about that. Just for the record though, it is so embarrassing to have this cough, um, in, in like COVID times. So, um, I don't know if I've ever spoken about this on the podcast before, but when I was a kid, I had, um, well, not even a kid, actually, when I was a baby, literally a few days after I was born, I had a tracheostomy and um, it's basically like a white thing, like that's around your neck. They had to make a hole in your neck because you can't breathe, essentially. Um, And so, yeah, I, I had a tracheostomy and, you know, alhamdulillah, I recovered everything. But the lifelong kind of like repercussions of that is always having one of the worst coughs ever when winter hits. So um, it gets to a point where literally I can't even breathe. I can't like sleep. Um, like um, I can't basically lay down in my bed and sleep because it just, I don't know what it is. It just attacks my throat so badly. So half the time I'd be literally laying like laying I don't know, half sitting, half laying down, if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, it affects my sleep. It affects a lot because of this stupid cough. But, you know, now essentially, like more than ever in COVID times, it's so embarrassing because like if you go out on public transport or if you're out and about and you've got this cough and it's one of those where like you literally try to contain it in your chest but you you just end up spluttering everywhere and um you know people are gonna be looking at you like is she trying to intentionally spread coronavirus knowing she's got a cough and she should be at home but it's not coronavirus and that's the worst part of it um and you know what's the funny thing though like alhamdulillah for the past three years i'd say i didn't have this cough like it was not coming out of anywhere like literally i was going to university you know in the freezing cold weather commuting and everything I didn't have it and I was so happy I was so grateful like oh you know what maybe because I'm older it's gone but no no guys it came back this year and that is the worst thing ever okay because it came back bigger and badder than ever and I don't really know how to feel about that because now I feel like I'm gonna have it every year and I'm scared but you know what Allah, he, he he tests us and he gives us all things that he believes are fit for us. So I'm just taking it on my, um, I'm just taking it on board really because, I mean, I've had it since I was a kid, so I know how to deal with it, but sometimes it gets incredibly hard. So yes, thank you to all of you who were basically waiting for another episode. Um, and I am sorry I didn't deliver, but I have come back again and I'm stronger. So, um... Just for the record, I feel like there's so much that we missed, you know, that's been happening in the week. Um, Recently, this is something I feel like I was kind of mad about. And again, like if you follow me on Instagram, you'd know because I kind of put it up on my story quite a bit. And for the record, I feel like I spam a lot on my story. And for those of you who probably see it, it's like, oh, for God's sake, like just keep going. I don't think I'm as bad as some, but 
at the end of the day, like guys, if you don't want to watch it, that's fine. Um, but sometimes it's so great because like people pop up and have all these interesting conversations with me about the stuff that I post and it's so amazing because I'm like, yes, you know, there's different kind of like interpretations of it. There's different thoughts and considerations on it. But anyways, um, I came across a post on Instagram and it was basically a video of these boys that were praying um, outside in like school. So they're in their school uniform and they were praying outside like in the school grounds in the freezing cold weather by the way because I mean this last two weeks I'd say in the UK it has been literally freezing cold and we've had snow for the first time in a long time in November so you could just imagine how cold it was and anyway so in in you know um basically in in Lancashire in the northwest there's a school and um they pretty much were praying Jumma. they were praying Jumma in um like at lunchtime or something in outside and the reason they were praying outside was because they were initially praying in a cl- in a classroom yet a senior teacher came into the classroom and literally apparently screamed at them and told them to get out um, and therefore they had nowhere to pray and they had to pray outside they had to pray Jumma outside and it was really sad it was so sad because first of all for you to practice your faith at such a young age especially um is beautiful alhamdulillah mashallah it was so beautiful because i mean i'm not gonna lie when i was 15 16 or in secondary school i was not praying and that is the truth um i just wasn't close to my dean alhamdulillah it's different now but back then i wasn't so the fact that you can see children of that age praying is so beautiful but then for the school not to appreciate that and not to help them with that is disgusting quite frankly what really shocked me as well about the school is it is incredibly diverse it is so diverse what was that okay sorry that was my phone guys I don't know if you heard that (laughs) but it's literally so diverse to the point where I feel like the majority of the students at that school are Muslim so if they're Muslim um excuse me do you not already have kind of like ways to help them with their faith like if you know the majority of your students are muslim or you know they practice this faith would you not already accommodate for that that does not make sense to me so anyways they got kicked out they were praying and obviously it kind of went viral because not everyone was happy about that i for sure was not happy about it absolutely and i put it up on my story i put quite a bit i know i went to town on it and i even wrote them an email because i'm not gonna lie to you what they did was um the school when they found out that this was kind of going about and it's kind of getting the publicity um they basically released like a statement and they were like oh um our school accepts diversity and religion and you know um none of our teachers we would never kick basically we would never kick a student out of a classroom for praying and it's come to our attention that there was a need for a prayer room and therefore we have established that now yet nowhere in that statement was there an apology there was no sort of consideration for those students and that's what really angered me because here you are trying to find a consideration a solution for the problem yet at the same time you can't even accept the fault that you have you have basically created you can't accept what you've done wrong that's the thing that really infuriated me because they weren't even willing to say sorry they weren't even willing to apologize so anyways I wrote an email and I am not gonna lie like I cc'd like pretty much a lot of the like I don't know director of schools governor of schools whatever it was that I could find from their you know email address contact list on their school website I did and I emailed them I never got a response by the way to this day that school um and I'm I mean come on like guys it's not even rocket science like I feel like it's out there anyway so it's the Oldham Academy oh my god what's it called 
the Oldham Academy North? I don't even know their name. Oldham Academy North, I think. The school to this day has not responded to that email. Um, however, what's very funny is about two, three days later on, um, I think it was maybe even a day after or two days, but there was this um, like kind of like notice, this announcement kind of circulating from the school being like, we are incredibly sorry for our actions. We, you know, did we let this affect everyone? Da, da, da. We are sincerely sorry, uh, sincerely sorry for what we have done blah 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 and yeah obviously I reposted that I was like oh okay so they finally took kind of like you know responsibility for their actions um and a lot of people were uploading it and stuff but what is more beautiful than that is subhanallah the you know so since that ha- issue had happened it'd been a week so this Friday that went um pretty much a lot of the students of the school prayed Juma in like the school in the actual school it was a very big area if it looked like a hall or something but alhamdulillah subhanallah they prayed jummah all together and you know fearlessly and no one could kick them out and this is the thing that i have a problem with a lot in our schools is that um you know a lot of these children and a lot of these students are practicing a certain faith yet why can you not be openly aware of that and why can't you not be accepting of that and the sad thing is that at the age of what like 11 to 16 these these students these boys were having to having to face this and this isn't the last time that they're going to face something like this this is actually pretty much one of the very first it's not going to end it's just going to get harder and um the 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 what the thing that makes me sad about this is it's the first time or maybe one of the biggest times they ever had to face this was in a school schools are meant to be safe and it's meant to be an environment where you feel comfortable and you feel like someone has responsibility for you and you feel like you can approach absolutely anyone yet here we have members of the staff who don't feel the same way so yes um you know, inshallah, I hope it gets easier for those students, I hope it just gets easier, and, you know, may Allah bless them with everything they did, and, yeah, it raised a lot of awareness, and, um, a lot of people made posts about it, and I'm happy, to be honest with you, because people like that should be called out. Anyways, so, moving on to today's episode, I wanted to talk about something that I may or may not have already mentioned on the podcast, um, but it's in relation to the concept of dua, so, um, just for clarification, if you haven't heard this podcast before, and if you are new, please do stay and um, join the family. Um, but my name is Gainat, I am 21 years old, and I have just graduated with a first class in biomedicine, and inshallah, I will be starting my master's in the physician associate course in February, which is a graduate medicine course, and it's incredibly competitive, to be honest with you. Um, please don't ask me how I eventually did it. I actually don't know. It was literally due to the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But um, I will be starting that course in February. Yet, what it kind of made me realise was um, that Allah was listening to every single dua that I made, okay? Um, and not just today, not just yesterday, but since pretty much for a long time and I sat there and I realized that um I was just basically deeping the whole concept and you know like where I'm going to study da 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 and what's funny is I actually did a whole episode on this and I had uploaded it and everything quite a few people had listened to it and then after I took it down because I thought do you know what it's a bit too much information um and by that I meant that like you know I talked about my um course and everything but I was also mentioning the universities and to be honest with you I'm not entirely sure if that was a um clever move of mine um therefore after after consideration I took that episode down only because I didn't want 
anyone knowing exactly where they could find me. Not that anyone would go out and like look for me. That'd be weird. But um, just the just the concept of having all that out, I'm not really sure because obviously then universities can have a bit of an issue with that if you're kind of like uploading content and stuff. So yeah, um, I took that down. But I mean, for you avid listeners, I know that there are some people here, by the way, who literally listen to the podcast um, pretty much when it comes out or, you know, during the week. And I always, always, always get responses on Instagram messages. So thank you. Thank you so much for uh, supporting the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the episodes. As I'm speaking right now, I can just picture you guys because like I know quite a few of you follow me on Instagram and I know, you know, people have you know physically met and I know who talk about the podcast. So like as I'm talking, I can literally imagine all of you, a few people who message me from other countries, like Germany, like the Netherlands, um, like Turkey. So thank you so so much, um, and may Allah bless you for helping me. Um, but yeah, so you guys may have actually heard that episode, and if you know, then you know you are one of the family. You you're one of the family, okay? Um, but yeah, I took that down. Um, however, what I had realized was I may have spoken about this in that episode. Yeah, obviously because like I said, it's gone down now. I will just roughly mention it now. Um, but I was basically deeping and I was basically just really understanding the concept of dua, right? And how dua gets answered, and you know any duas that I have made that haven't or have got answered, and basically it hit me. It hit me in a moment of realization that it took four years. Four years? Did it take four years? Oh my god! Yes, it took four years for one of my duas to get answered. Literally, subhanAllah, it took four years for one of my du'as to get answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something that when it hit me, I honestly thought at that point in my life that, you know, I can't, I simply cannot ever underestimate the power of du'a. I cannot ever underestimate the power of Allah. And obviously, I know that there are some people who here who listen to the podcast and who aren't Muslim. And honestly, I appreciate you even more for listening to this because I know that there's some absolute absolutely amazing beautiful people who listen to this and who are not muslim they follow other faiths they may not follow faiths and for you guys to still stay and listen to this and just genuinely like have a chit chat with me um about episodes i just think that's so beautiful and so wholesome i don't think i can actually just show you how much i appreciate you but genuinely all of you are just absolutely amazing so if you if you ever feel like oh god she's talking so much about religion um i i don't really know what i should do i don't know if i should apologize or not but I feel like it always links to one topic or another but yeah I mean at the end of the day for me I feel like anything more important than you know life is religion to be honest with you so that's why I do kind of go on about it quite a bit but yeah thank you so much for still being here so anyways um yeah I I I basically realized that there will not be a time where I can ever underestimate the power of Allah and the decisions that Allah makes for us and leads us to make okay so basically um obviously like I said before I have studied biomedicine at undergrad and I I have basically you know left uni this year I've graduated but I'm gonna have my proper ceremony uh, later on in the new year inshallah because of covid um but when I was applying for university, okay, so first and foremost, I'm the first to go to university from my family, meaning no one had gone to uh, university in my immediate family before that. I had no idea how university worked. I had no idea, you know, what to do, nothing like that. I literally pretty much had to pick it up myself. And I had pretty much dreamed of going to university since I was like in secondary school, like 14, 15 years old. Like I was that ultimate class A nerd. And all I did was study and not because like, oh my God, 
need to study, I need to study. Just generally, I loved studying. I still do. I absolutely love studying. I am a geek, to be honest with you. Um, and alhamdulillah, like I, I loved it. So that's that's great. Um, and yeah, so I saw many big dreams of going to university. So um, one thing I knew for sure is, I don't know what it was, but the, this main university that I wanted to go to was close to home and it was a Russell Group Uni. And it was the first type of university that I had ever really seen or really come across. And um, I just had this dream and I just had this vision that I want to go to that uni. Like literally, I just want to go to that university. And um, I hadn't really ever considered any other uni. So I was literally making dua all the time, especially when I was in sixth form. And, um, you know, when I was doing my GCSEs or like when I was basically in sixth form, you obviously apply for university. And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, Allah, yeah, Rab, please help me get into this type of university. And literally, I was just like praying to Allah, praying to Allah, please, Allah, give me a place at this uni, please give me a place at this uni. I um, was so obsessed with it. I obviously applied for other unis as well. Um, and bearing in mind that at the time when you apply for university, you're about 17 years old. Yeah, so I mean, that's how old I was anyway. So I was 17 when I was applying for unis for the first time ever. And um, so I'm applying and I then get, you know, my letters and my emails like, hey, you've got, you know, a conditional offer or like, hey, you've got an um, interview. Bearing in mind, this university was the only one I actually had an interview for, which was weird because um, I applied to about, how many did I, I actually only applied to about three, I think, and then I withdrew one of them. So literally I'd only applied to two universities and I only had one interview, which was for this Russell Group university um and I was so scared so nervous and I literally prepared so much um and so I go on the day um to this university um for my interview and I hated it I absolutely hated it um I hated it so much and there were so so many reasons for this okay so number one um it was too much for me it was humongous this university is not just like a campus town uni it's quite literally like buildings upon buildings you may have to get a bus to the next building that's literally what one of the girls said to us on our tour she was like hey so you might have to get like a bus from one lecture to another da, 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 da. and I was just like oh my god I have never gotten like a bus and you know what that was crazy because I had only started to use transport, public transport, when I was in sixth form. Before that, because my um, secondary school was quite far from us, I was always getting dropped off. Um, so I had actually never taken public transport, even on my days off or like when I was going out. My mum and dad literally just like took us everywhere. Um, so I was quite sheltered and I was quite bubble, like in a bubbled in a bubble I was in a bubble and therefore I was quite sheltered um and I'd only just about learned how to take a bus or like the tram I didn't even know how to take a bus I just knew that one bus like okay this is where it stops this is where it goes literally um so I was quite scared I was quite young obviously I was only 17 years old and I'm in this big city literally so big it's like a freaking metropolis like it was massive and um I was all alone. I didn't have any friends that were going to do the same course as me, nothing like that. Um, and so anyways, I go for the interview, passed the interview, quite frankly, I smashed it, alhamdulillah. Um, but I hated it. I hated the university. And why I hated it was because um, I was just like plunked, like from my small little town into a massive city. Um, I didn't know anything. All the people were so scary because um, obviously it's so fast paced. They were all just getting on with their lives. They were doing everything here, there, everywhere. I felt so out of place. I felt like I didn't belong um, and I felt like I was just too young, too small, too naive, everything. Um, and I came back and I was like, yeah, I don't really feel like 
okay I don't really vibe and it was crazy because I'd literally been praying for it for so long so um then I went to the open day for my other university so bearing in mind I didn't have an interview interview for it but I went for the open day and guys I literally fell in love with it it was so crazy wallahi like subhanallah the way Allah works is so strange because I had just put that down as like a backup option and I was like yeah yeah like if I get it no 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 men when I went oh I absolutely loved it it was so cute it was literally a campus university everything is in one place it's so nice so idyllic so quiet very very quiet okay um and yeah I just loved it I loved the way the lecturers were talking to us because you know what's the crazy thing when I went to my first Russell group uni the lecture hall was absolutely massive when I tell you it was massive it was absolutely humongous however despite it being so big they still said it was a first come first serve talk because there was not enough space for all the applicants was that on the interview or was that on the open day I think that was on the open day for the Russell Group University by the way um so this is the open day for the Russell Group the city university um and obviously I went with my dad and my mum and like literally it was just me and my dad sat in that lecture hall because my mum couldn't come in because there was just too many people and there was enough space and like I just didn't feel like I was connected I didn't feel like I was connected to the people around me I didn't feel like I was connecting to the lecturer either because he was like literally just stood there in front of a load like a lot a lot of people loads of them and you know I just didn't feel that that factor um and then whereas you know fast forward to this open day for this small town campus university I loved it I absolutely loved it you know the lecturer was literally like sat there he was like in a little nice nice little cozy lecture hall and he's just talking to us chatting away with us talking to us talking to any questions loved it loved it you know had a nice meal everything and I don't know what it was I just really liked it and obviously it kind of made sense for me because there's only one bus that you could get to the university from where I lived because it's kind of far and you know I'd know how to do it it was just something that I was comfortable with I, it was in my zone so anyways um then comes to results day okay bearing in mind even though I preferred the campus uni over the Russell group which was my first choice um I was still praying to Allah like ya Allah please get me a place at that you know Russell group uni please get me a place at that university please ya Allah help me da, da, da. um and then results day comes and um I got my grades and alhamdulillah I did okay I did good but um they then said to me that I didn't meet the requirements of my first uni of the Russell Group University however they still wanted to give me a place uh for the foundation year so what that meant was um long story cut short I now if I wanted to go to the Russell Group uni I would have to do a four-year course compared to the um campus university I'd have to do a three-year course that original course I'd applied for so at the end of the day um I had the choice basically to go to both universities um and I chose the campus university the reason why I chose the campus university was because at that time in my life I was 18 now obviously by the way um I I just felt more comfortable at the campus one I didn't feel like I'd you know be all right with the Manchester one at that time in my life in general I was so like I was such a shy girl like I mean I, I could make friends easily and I was kind of loud and bubbly but you know when it comes to like navigating in life I had no idea I had no clue what to do so um I was actually so relieved and so happy that I now get to choose because say if you get the if you meet the entry requirements of your firm uh, place or university you automatically have to go there whereas now they were giving me an option between my insurance choice which was the campus uni and the firm choice this is just how it works in the UK when you apply through UCAS um so anyways I chose the um campus university because obviously as well I was like hey I can finish my course off in three years in comparison to four years over there so yeah I did that and honestly 
subhanallah the way Allah works is absolutely insane because I enjoyed my time so much at university I made the bestest bestest of best friends um I absolutely love them and I met so many incredible people I learned so much about life to be honest with you because you know Allah he just you know there's not a day when he doesn't test you and he will carry on testing you and so the tests and the trials I went through when I was at university as well um in my personal life and university life I just feel like I was in the right environment the right time and all that so alhamdulillah I was so happy about that anyways um then it got to a point when I was at university, um, especially in the last year of my degree, when I, you know it was COVID, it was lockdown when I was at home, and I just started to realise that I want more, um, and I was comfortable, I knew how to navigate, yada yada, um, and the crazy thing is, it came to time, it came to the time now to apply for my masters. So when it came to applying for my masters, which obviously um, I will be starting in two thousand two, two thousand two. Oh, imagine trying trying to travel back two thousand and twenty two. Um, however, for me to have applied at that time, I had to start preparing. Literally, I think it was like just after two thousand and nineteen. Quite frankly, it literally yeah. So like two thousand and twenty. Just the minute 2020 began, that's when I started to figure out, okay, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to do it. You know, X, Y, Z, how am I going to get a place? Yada, yada, yada. Um, And, you know, I started basically working on that whole dream and that goal of mine since about 2020, Um, which again, subhanAllah, the way Allah works, that is just insane. Um, But yeah, so right from the get-go of me finding out what course I want to do, how I'm going to get into it, what it requires of me, right from the get-go, I knew this is the university I want to go to this time. The Russell Group University that I didn't go to in my undergrad back when I was 17, 18 years old, this time I want to get into that university. So I worked hard and I'm not even going to lie, I worked super hard. Like I'm not joking, I did not have a break like literally throughout like my final year I was not having a break I was I was working I was volunteering I was you know doing my master's applications I was doing my dissertation I was doing my final year of uni exams literally one thing after the other it was just falling and falling I had loads of trials etc but you know alhamdulillah you know Allah helps you with everything and it was the busiest year of mine and it's crazy because we were in a pandemic as well by the way we were in an absolute pandemic so for all of that I was super busy and so anyways um, yeah, I, I basically started my applications. I am not joking when I say to you, for this course, it was so hard to get in. It was so hard to get in for this course, for the Physician Associate Masters, um, for University of, yeah, so basically, I was almost going to say it then. Uh, I, I mean, I'm saying it, but I know some of you regulars, like the people who are avid listeners, like my friends, like, you know, you guys, the people who listen, I know who you are. I know you guys know which uni it is, but I'm just saying for the record. And the basically, out of the universities I applied to, two of them were Russell Group, and the other three were like, um, you know, universities as well. Like, um, they were kind of a little far out, but um, the other Russell Group uni, by the way, uh, that was quite far out. Um, and I only applied to that to see if I could get in. But anyways, um so yeah I had to do so many things to just get into this university that I wanted and you know what's the crazy thing is that when I then actually applied and I was doing the um like personal statement I was doing the UCAS application for postgrad I was then um having to you know complete an extra set of questions um they were like extra like we had a thousand characters for each question I was then having to do the MMI interview I was then having to fill out the forms like literally it was never ending I'm not even gonna lie um 
and then you know when I finally got my place alhamdulillah a thousand times I burst into tears when I got my place and I know for some of you who would be like chill out it's just a university like chill out it's not that deep but for me it's not the concept my concept is that I cried because it was like everything was full circle everything had finally reached full circle and it basically hit me that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he finally answered my dua and now I understand the concept a hundred percent about dua and the reason why I say this is because look at the time when I was 17 and I was making dua um you know ya Allah please help me get into um this university and then Allah was listening to my dua and he was saying yeah but not now so you know when we talk about this in Islam if you guys don't know when I say dua what do I mean by dua I mean making prayer I mean talking to Allah and asking him you know please ya Allah help me in this certain situation ya Allah please help me get this help me achieve this help me work towards this xyz when you're making dua you are talking to Allah and you're asking him for something you're making prayer okay um and there are three ways a a prayer is actually answered okay so we know this the three ways that a prayer is answered the first answer could be yes you're gonna get this okay and you know you may see that instantly the second answer can be no because I have something better for you now sometimes you know when you ask for something and then you don't get it you may be confused and you're like why didn't I get this and Allah's like Allah is saying look I I know what you want but trust me on this one I know what's better for you and I'm going to give you that instead I'm not going to give you what you're asking for because unbeknown to you it may cause harm for you it may not be good for you however I have something better in store for you okay so it's a no and then the final answer, the third answer you could get to your du'a is yes, but not now. Okay. And that is a very hard one to understand. I feel like that's such a hard thing to grasp. But Allah is saying to you, you are going to get what you want, but you're going to have to have sabr. You're going to have to have patience because you're not getting it anytime soon, my love. You are not getting it anytime soon. Okay. So you need to, you need to wait. You need to calm down. You need to really relax yourself. You need to be patient and be humble and be resilient and have tawakkul, have, have faith in Allah because I'm not going to give it you yet. I'm going to give it you in a while. And that is something that I only realized four years down the line because think about it in 2021, literally, I'm not even joking to you guys. It was two days after I turned 21, two days after I turned 21, I found out that I got in and that I got accepted into this university. So that's literally quite literally four years down the line. Is that four years? So 17, so 18, 19, 20, 21. Oh my God, yeah, four years. Okay, I can do maths. I can do maths, it's all right. Um, Yeah, it was four years down the line that I found out that I got in. And it's so insane because now, guys, I went um quite recently for a bit of a, like a meet and greet session. It was a bit of like a taster. Um, And honestly, guys, when I tell you, I could not stop talking about it. I couldn't stop talking about it to my friends. I couldn't stop talking about it to my parents, to my family. I was like, oh my God, we did this, we did that, then we did this. And like, alhamdulillah, I fell in love with the university. And it's such a big change from when I was 17 and I, I hated it. But yet that was what my heart was desiring. My heart wanted it. But when I went and saw it face to face, I did not like it. And, you know, I gave and instead I had the best time at the campus university and now fast forward four years down the line I am there again once again and it's so insane because you know you plan you plan you plan so much we plan as humans we are human after all we plan so much we think okay I'm going to do this I'm going to do that and you know what I think we are all witnesses to this nothing ever goes to plan in life there is not a single thing that goes to plan okay you may see yourself today in a position and you wish that in 10 years time you're at such an extent 
but no that's not true I mean literally yesterday we were talking about this um I was watching a YouTube uh, video of a certain, I don't know, I forgot his name now, but he was doing like a Q&A and people are asking him a lot about marriage questions and he was like, yeah, you know, all of you, you think like, you know, he, he someone asked him something about marriage and he clicked on that person's profile. He's like, you look about 16, 17, my love. And let me tell you one thing, you know, at that age, you think that, oh, by the age of 25, I'm going to be married. I'm going to have two kids. Um, I'm going to have a beautiful house. I'm going to have such a good job, you know, have that beautiful idyllic little dream and then when you hit 25 and you've not actually achieved any of that you're gonna laugh you're gonna laugh and you're gonna laugh at yourself and you're gonna laugh at that 16 17 year old version of yourself and think wow I was so naive but it's not naivety it's the fact that that's your plan yet Allah plans better so I'm 21 right now and believe you me when I was like 15 I'm not even joking I thought 21 was so old I thought yeah by the by the time I'm 21 I, I am I'm supposed to be married like I'm gonna get married I'm gonna probably have a kid on this way literally I thought this but now, alhamdulillah, I'm at 21 and think to myself, wow, I was so naive. Like, I actually am so happy that Allah always has something better for us. Because now, believe you me, at the age of 21, I don't think I would want to be married. Right now, here now, as we, as we speak, I've just got too much going on. And I just think to myself, it's so cute how when I was 15, when I was 14, when I was whatever age, I thought, yeah, yeah, that's how life's going to turn out. And it never did. It never turned out that way. And Alhamdulillah, Allah gave me something better. He, instead of finding someone, he let me find myself. And Alhamdulillah, that's like the best thing you could have asked for. Find yourself before you find anyone else, which is a totally different topic for another day. And it's very similar to last week's episode with Anissa, the physician associate student. So if you haven't checked that out yet, please do check that out. But yeah, um, it's actually kind of crazy that we plan so much and, you know, none of it, none of it goes to plan. And Allah is the best of planners. We've been told this. Um, and you know it's just insane to be honest with you you know you don't I feel like it gets to a point where you don't even need religion to teach yourself that you just know in general hey you know what you know I keep planning but life just doesn't turn out the way we want it to and that's perfectly fine because before I know it I'm right where I need to be I am where I am meant to be this right now this place right now right here this is nothing but what is written for me and this is nothing but what is meant for me and hey, I'm going to accept that and I'm going to I'm going to live it this way and I'm going to say alhamdulillah, I'm going to say thanks to God, I'm just going to say thanks, you know, thank God that I'm here. Um, but yeah, genuinely, it's so insane because it literally took Allah, it took, not even, it took Allah, it took me to understand that Allah answered my dua four years later. It took four years for my dua to get answered. I'm still so shook about this because it's something that I feel like um, I will probably tell my kids some down, you know, somewhere down the line, inshallah, one day you know if, if Allah has um, decreed him for me but you know I will probably say hey guys you know what you can never ever believe that if you believe that every single time you make dua every time you make a prayer and it's going to get answered right there and then wow you're literally living in denial you are living in denial and this is me telling you as a friend that if you are making dua and then you're thinking oh nothing's going you know nothing's going my way or I'm not seeing the answer immediately or it's always a no or oh my god why is it not happening for me right here right now guys that is not the way dua makes that's what you call haste and this was one of the things that the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam he he said that this is not the correct way to make dua he told us to avoid this. He said the haste made, sorry, the haste when making dua. So when someone said that, they were like, oh, what do you mean? And he was like, I'm not talking about talking fast or, you know, asking for dua so fast or, you know, mumbling your words and just, you know, rapid speeding it. I'm not talking about that type of haste. But rather what I'm saying is 
you cannot expect to make dua and then just sit about and be like yep okay so it's gonna happen right now no that is literally being so hasty you need to have patience and you need to have sabr okay you need to be calm and resilient and know that Allah is gonna answer you when the time is right if it is meant to be it'll be okay I have to tell this this is more so a reminder of my to myself than it is to anyone else but if it is meant to be it will be and you can't stop that from happening no one can stop it from happening but at the same time if it is in the palm of your hand, like I saw someone put up on their story, um, and honestly, it just was so beautiful, mashallah, but like, if it's written for you, and if it's in the palm of your hand, you know, it, it will it will be yours, basically, but if, if it's not for you, you will not get it, whether it's in the palm of your hand or not, I don't know if that made sense, okay, but um, yeah, long story cut short, even if it's between two mountains, and it's meant to be yours, you'll get it, and even if it's literally on your lips, you and it's not for you you will not get it and that is scary but you know also remember that dua it has the ability to change decree this is something that i come across very recently and i have known this for a long time but today i felt like you know i had like a lot of um solid like proof and evidence for this but long story cut short dua has the ability dua has the ability to change what is written for you it has the it has it has the power to change the qadr you know the pre-decreed for you and people need to understand this if you want something you want it so bad whether it be whether it be a job whether it be you know the man or the woman of your dreams whether it be the house that you've been wanting for so long whether it be the degree whatever okay if you want it that bad why are you not making dua for it why are you not praying for it seriously why are you not praying for it what is actually physically stopping you from you know going down in sujood and talking to allah you know, talking to Allah and asking and speaking to Allah and having a conversation with it, you know, with Allah about it. What is stopping you from doing that? Nothing. That's what's stopping you. Nothing is stopping you. Yet we tell ourselves and we fool ourselves into thinking, yeah, it's never going to happen. It's too much. Bro, nothing's impossible in this world, you know. Nothing is impossible. And um, we need to understand this, that you're basically asking the same creator, the same creator that parted two seas, for the Prophet Musa alayhi salam, he parted two seas. Literally, he 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 distanced those two seas and made a walkway for this man. And you're telling me that you're gonna have the same you're gonna have a conversation with the same Lord for what? Like something's like that's on nothing on that level. What more can be like more difficult and more impossible than parting two seas? Have you ever seen that in your lifetime? Have I ever seen that? Has have our grandparents ever seen that in our lifetime? No, we have not. Yet here you are telling me that you can't make dua for something that you so desperately want because of your own laziness, quite frankly. And again, I'm saying this as a reminder to myself as well. But bro, like you are literally, you are literally talking to the same Allah that has helped all of those prophets through the worst trials and tribulations. He literally took a man out of a whale out of a whale's stomach he literally helped him because he made dua he made dua he sought forgiveness and he made dua and he was removed out of a whale's body guys and you're telling me that you can't ask allah for what you truly want and desire come on don't be foolish do it okay just please make wudu and have a conversation with allah seriously wake up for the hajjad okay wake up for the hajjad what is wrong with not waking up for the hajjad please wake up for the hajjad and make dua and talk to allah and have a conversation with your creator because seriously you will never go wrong if you are going to talk and confide in allah who is the best confident apart from that seriously there's no one you can trust other than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you're telling me that you can't have, you can't talk to allah 
please talk to Allah. Seriously, don't care what you're doing right now in your life. Don't care how much you're sinning, nothing. Just talk to Allah because Allah is the most forgiving and he hears you. Come on, guys. He knows what's in your hearts. So yeah, I hope that was a little cute, motivational little talk for you guys at the end of this um, magical moment. Um, please do start sponsoring me and I will be putting up a link where you can book me for future events inshallah I'm joking I'm joking Um, but yeah don't be shy just message me if you need any help <laughs> no if, if you're a man please don't message me Um, but yes um, we are going to now move on to our next segment of relax with reddit uh, slash whatever other place I find uh, interesting confessions from because uh, we didn't do this last week and I was so sad so I found some nice ones for this week and we will do it okay and anyways I did a poll on um, Instagram and most of you said you wanted longer episodes so please don't complain <laughs> you can always switch me off or just speed it up <laughs> okay so the first one is basically quite sad to be honest with you um I have never actually heard that much about this from the perspective of a man um girls obviously i have heard sadly i have heard like countless stories about forced marriages yet from the experience of a um like a man i haven't really heard much about this so obviously i was scrolling away for threads and stuff and like you know confessions and this is one of them you know that i found and to be honest i wasn't really gonna talk much about this but I thought, mm, I'm not really going to talk about this. But then I thought, you know what? I feel like it is something that's quite touchy, to be honest with you, and quite taboo in terms of men. So I thought, yeah, you know what? This kind of needs to be spoken about. So um, it starts off, um, Assalamu alaikum. This post does not intend to invalidate the suffering of female victims of forced marriage. So I was emotionally abused by my family for years to marry a woman who I did not want to marry. My family knew that I did not want to marry this woman and admitted this to me afterwards. I also told the woman several times before marriage that I did not want to get married, but she did not say that she was being forced and actively pushed for the marriage to go ahead. I have no feelings for this woman and I have not and will not be physically intimate with her. Divorce her, then I lose my family forever and face a lifetime of regret. Stay then I am stuck in an unhappy marriage and face a lifetime of regret. I'd be grateful to hear from others who are or have been in similar situations. Jazakallahu khairan. Okay, so this is actually quite tough, you know, and you know what's kind of crazy? I was just on Instagram having a bit of a break, a scrolling break, and literally this is what I came across, so I don't know if you even heard that there, but I'm just going to play it because... To be honest with you, I just feel like Naman Ali Khan could say it better than I could in any day, but... Don't force them to marry someone they don't want to. Don't force your daughters to, and, and tell them, if you don't marry this one, who's going to come and marry you? And you have to, we already said yes to them. Don't humiliate the family and say no now. Those kinds of nikahs are haram. I will say it, they're haram. You cannot emotionally and psychologically force a girl to get married under family pressure. That is batid. And that happened at the time of the Prophet And the Prophet considered those nikahs batid. They're, they're invalid nikahs. Allah gave her that right. You cannot take it away. You're burying them alive. This is the new way of burying women alive, by the way. Back then, they used to take the baby girl and bury her right then. Now we bury them at the day of the nikah. So basically, what Namalini Khan is saying, obviously, that is forced marriages are absolutely 100% wrong because it comes under the condition of batil. Now, this is something that I have actually heard about extensively. Batil is the Arabic term for void. Um, and basically anything that is void is not allowed, you know, that we, we know. Um, so any forced type of nikah, any forced marriage essentially is batil, it's void, meaning that um, 
anything that happens within that marriage um, is not allowed to be honest with you it's actually considered a sin and sadly there are so many people out there who are forced into things like this stories that we may have heard ourselves I feel like literally everyone to some point can kind of like hit you know they can say I have heard such a story whether it be you know a friend or you know family or an old story of the community or on online social media you know we've all heard of something like this and as you know Nemanili Khan was saying he was talking about a girl but the thing is the same goes for a man so if a man is obviously forced into a marriage and he doesn't have the right to say no um it's the same thing the nikah is still a battle and that was actually one of the responses to that thread that I saw it's a battle nikah meaning that it's actually not even legit it's not legitimate okay um because the main one of the basically the main thing the main thing that is required the condition that is required for a nikah to happen and to take place is the consent of both parties the consent of the bride and the consent of the groom now if you don't actually have consent or someone was coerced or emotionally blackmailed or forced or drugged even i'm not even gonna lie i've seen conditions and cases where the person has been drugged um if if things like that happen it's not actually a legit valid nikah um and so the guy at the end he says like oh you know do i basically say no to my family then I'll live a life full of regret or do I stay then I live a life full of regret but here's the thing everyone is entitled and allowed to be happy in life you know you are allowed to be with the person that you want to be and that is a condition and a thing that's given to you by uh, Islam that's a that's a a free will sort of that's been given to you by Allah so he says oh I'll live a life full of regret if I take both options but here's the thing if you're going to be married to that person and you don't want to be married to them um, you're always going to be unhappy. You're always going to live a life full of regret. He's literally said, I have not kind of entertained any sort of relationship with her since. So he's unhappy with her and he's unhappy with his parents because obviously psychological problems happen from this. You blame those people and they even admitted themselves that it's forced. So if it's forced, you're unhappy with them and you're unhappy with this person. Whereas if he was to leave he would be unhappy with his parents because they would be unhappy with him, obviously. But honestly, how long would they be unhappy for? How long would they basically um, avoid you for? How long would they be, be naraz, as we say in Urdu? How long would he be naraz, Would they be naraz with you? Um, I don't think it would be for years. And even if it did, Allah is not going to basically punish you for that because in the first place, that nikah taking place was wrong and they are to blame for that because they will sin for that, quite frankly. People don't realise this, but, you know, no one's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes and parents can make mistakes too, but those parents as well, they will have to pay for that sin, sadly. And so, um, forced marriages are battle and people don't understand this. It don't. They actually don't understand how much of a sin, how, how scary this is actually, how scary a void nikah is in the eyes of Allah as well. It's not okay. So the Prophet Muhammad what he would do is every time he'd hear of a battle nikah or a girl who comes to him and says, look, like I was forced into this marriage, he would basically cancel it right there and then. He would go and he would say, no, you two need to get a divorce instantly. He would always help them out of that situation. And, you know, quite frankly, the main reason for this is because that nikah is not okay to have happened in the first place. It's battle, it's void. So yeah, I mean, it's very sad. I mean, I don't feel like anyone could actually understand the situation if they weren't in his shoes. And it's easy for us to stay here, to sit here and say, hey, you know what, you should leave because it's not as easy as that. But it is something that you should be doing, quite frankly, because it's not it's not a legitimate nikah, if that makes sense. So the next um, thingamajig that I have come across is actually quite crazy, I'm not going to lie. And it actually relates to, I don't even know if this is racism, to be honest with you. I don't know if it classifies as racism. But anyways, so it goes. I'm black and my parents are from Ghana, but we fit in and other Ghanaians do too. 
But then I look down on Muslims since they don't fit in and try to change the UK. What right do they have to do this? Why not just go back? Is this hypocritical? I'm sorry, I'm just... Oh, I actually find it funny. I actually find it so funny. Okay, because here's the thing. You can... Mm, mm, mm. there are so many things you can say about this one so first of all he says he's black and my parents are from Ghana if your parents are from Ghana they were immigrants therefore you are the child of an immigrant therefore you will resonate with the whole struggle of immigration and being basically singled out as someone who does not the stereotype of does not fit in this country okay no matter when your parents moved to this country, okay, it actually does not matter. No matter when they moved to this country, whether it was, you know, your first gen, second gen or third gen, gen, I can guarantee you, you have experienced some form of racism, okay, or some form of discrimination. Um, and the reason for this is because, um, quite frankly, if you are of, of a different colour, you are automatically not considered or rather, you are not genuinely like seen as 100% British, if that makes sense. Like, you're not that stereotype of being white and from this country, yada, 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 right? Um, so you may or may not have suffered or experienced some sort of discrimination yourself. Yet here you are discriminating other people based on their faith. So this is so crazy, right? Because he's talking about, first of all, he introduces this conversation by bringing up his ethnicity, by bringing up his colour and his, you know, parents' nationality or whatever, like they're from Ghana, wherever they are. So if you're talking about that, why then are you talking about Muslims? It doesn't make sense. Like, how can I be like, oh my God, you know what? All potatoes are the best, but tomatoes, they just don't deserve to be here. What's the link between potatoes and tomatoes? I don't understand. Like, you're trying to tell me that you're you fit in this country. You just do. You fit in this country. Apparently, other Ghanaians, they fit in this country but Muslims, they're trying to change the UK. Now, this doesn't make sense at all because um, the ironic thing is that Muslim and the whole concept of religion does not have a race. So you can literally, quite literally, walk past a white person and not know that they're a Muslim. Like, there may be a white man that you walk past and he's not a Muslim, yet he looks like absolutely every other Tom, Dick and Harry. Yeah, oh, so he's not changing the country. He's not changing the country because he's he's white and therefore he's originally British and he's originally from the UK. So this is actually so sad because um, a lot of people think this. A lot of people are like, oh, the Muslims are trying to change the UK. Um, the last time I checked, the UK is ho- in, in itself is changing drastically. It's absolutely changed from what it used to be. And I don't think you can put that down a hundred percent to the muslims all right i don't think you can because there are a lot of factors that play into why it's changing um and then he says something like why not just go back is this hypocritical like he's literally having to ask us is this hypocritical sir i think it's very much hypocritical it's discriminatory it's islamophobic it's hypocritical okay it's not just hypocritical you are quite literally being an islamophobe and you're quite literally discriminating over here and the sad thing is that you have experienced the concept and the effects of immigration because your parents are not born here so if your parents were not born here and you are born here how does that give you like it doesn't make sense like how does that give you the privilege with the upper hand to then tell other people hey you should or should not belong here either like bro we're literally all in the same boat <laughs> we're all suffering from the same problem yet here you are trying to tell us that you're better than us because you're not muslim and you fit in apparently that's the saddest thing because for you to say oh i fit in what does that mean like by how give me the standards and give me the requirements that you fit in and then i can tell you why there are muslims here who 
apparently fit in like you don't have to be a color to be fitting in as a muslim it does not make sense whatsoever and that is very very much hypocritical so i am sorry my friend but you have to go to jail for that okay and the last one is i'm sorry but this one i was a bit of a red flag okay so um salam brothers and sisters i will be getting married this month and i booked a lodge for my future wife and me this getaway is for six nights two days after my wedding i asked my parents okay hear, hear me out I asked my parents if I could go and they said no. There are reasons for this. It's too far, anything can happen because of COVID and it isn't fair on them to leave after only being in the house for one night. Uh, Okay. I'm 28, a grown man, an experienced and safe driver, double jabbed. I have taken 10 days off work to get married and go away for a nice trip. I haven't been on holiday ever since never. My parents made me take out a 6k loan to pay towards the wedding. I got a part-time job where they pay cash and I have given all my wages to my mum. I'm fed up and I don't want to spend the first few days of married life at home. I'm mentally drained. Is this normal? I thought going away and spending time with your partner after marriage was normal. Is it haram? All I want to do is take a break from life and get to know my future wife and have some damn privacy. I have explained the above to my parents but they shoot me down. I'm fed up. I feel my parents resent me for getting married when they're the ones who arranged for me to get married in the first place. This is so, so sad and at the same time very, very uncomfortable because you are 28 years old. You're a grown man and quite frankly, like it's got to a point where your parents don't actually tell you to sit and command you to sleep and command you to walk. It doesn't work that way. First of all, the sad thing is is he says, is it haram? No, bro, it's not haram one bit. Like that's the sad part. It's not haram at all. Um, And it's completely normal. And this is where you're basically mixing culture and expectations with religion. So the fact that he asked, first of all, asked them um, and they said no. And then he's having to ask himself, wait, is this haram? Is this right? Like, how are you basically associating Islam with culture? And that's the, sadly, that is something that people have been raised and been brought up that way. And this is something that he's going to have to unlearn himself. So um, this happens a lot a lot a lot okay and it's very very sad but he even says at the end my, i feel my parents resent me for getting married when they're the ones who arranged for me to get married in the first place it's more so as if they don't want him to live his best life and that can happen a lot to be honest with you um for the man though himself the sad thing is that um allah has basically made men in a way that they basically protect the women okay um you know you are basically the one who you know if you're getting married your wife like you're supposed to love and care for her but how are you going to do that when you're too scared to even like face your parents because best believe if they resent you for getting married they're certainly not going to love your wife they're going to find reasons to nitpick at her and give her a hard time so how are you going to then defend her in front of your parents that's the crazy thing on top of that he's 28 years old bro you're not a you're not a baby anymore like uh, i feel like you should just say it but he does say that they shoot him down sadly a lot of this these type of issues arise in our cultural families and honestly i feel like sometimes sadly culture has killed a lot of people and i feel like this one by the way this was actually posted um oh it doesn't oh hang on yeah it, I, I doesn't say when it was posted because i can't actually see but a lot of the a lot of the like comments in response to this were mad like they were like are you insane right now how are you how are you acting like this how are you asking yourself this because you know it's not fair on some people but 
I mean, I feel like I don't even have to explain this one. I feel like I, this is just one that I can share with you guys. And um, just let me know what you guys think. I might put up a poll on Instagram about this one. But honestly, some people, honestly, the world, it never fails to surprise you. And I feel bad for the guy. I actually don't blame him. I blame his parents. That's really sad. Um, but yeah, like, it's, it's kind of crazy just how much he's kind of like coddled and made into like a little kid like he's a grown man realistically he should be having some absolute insane responsibilities at that age and he hasn't because of his parents so that's very very sad um and honestly I just feel like his parents will be asked about that as well if I'm being honest with you um but yeah I'm gonna stop the episode here because we have gone on quite a bit um but thank you so so much for tuning in to this episode I hope you all absolutely loved it if you didn't let me know and why um and I hope to see you again next week inshallah so take care (laughs)